Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. All right, good evening, everybody. It is Saturday, February the 4th, 2017, and we are here again with Monty Montgomery. So, hello, Monty. Hi. What's going on? Um, well, it's a long list. It's longer than Santa Claus's list, so do you want to hear that? Um, if you could wrap it up in about <laughs> two minutes. Uh, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> okay. So you wanted to talk to Genevieve tonight? Um, well, initially, anyway, because she had some questions I want to answer, and I think the other listeners would like to hear it. Okay. Genevieve, this. Howdy. 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 <laughs> <clears throat> So I'm waiting for you. I I'll hold my questions till later. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to go straight to your quest, your first question. Okay. You said that you published your uh, scheduled fees and charges uh, for four weeks, beginning in early November and ending in December. Yes. And you didn't get the affidavit of publication until mid-January. Correct. Well, that's when you received it. What's the date on the? Um, What's the notorial signature on that affidavit of publication? What's the date on it? Oh, I don't know, but it was, it happened right after it was the publication, and that was kind of confusing. It was, or maybe okay, not. Okay, so that would have been in the last part of December, right? Or very early January. I don't, sweetheart. Do you remember the date on our affidavit of publication? January third or sixth or something like that. So it was quite early. Okay. Well, typically, uh, you do know that the uh, affidavit of publication on a public notice like that gets recorded with the county. That's part of the, why they charge you the fee. Yeah, um, you mentioned that. And it typically gets filed into the county records immediately after the affidavit is signed. Oh, okay. Okay. So... Um, as far as the, um, you said the dis- dismissal on that case was January 25th. Right. Um, but you didn't get to send personal notice to the 17 lucky people until the 27th. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Um, I haven't changed my opinion on what caused that dismissal mm. was the schedule of fees and charges, one, because it's very likely it was in the public record. But the other thing to remember is most of your banks, insurance companies, real estate uh, agencies, and that sort of thing, they hire people to read legal notices in the paper. Oh. Well, they were they were aware of it back in December or November. Oh. 
and and um, David just pulled it up, and the actual affidavit was signed on December ninth. So they did have almost two months to uh, to okay. figure it out. Well, okay, so they just took a long time sending you your copy. Yeah. But it was probably recorded before they sent you the copy. So you're thinking that you're thinking that the the uh, credit card company bank um, found out about it and then said we don't want to mess with her. Um, pretty much, and I'll tell you why. Um, oh, and the um, you you said here so the schedule of fees and charges uh, is applicable to banks or anyone else. And that's correct. It is applicable to anyone else. Kind of, it was kind of hard for me to stretch my mind around that. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I was so focused on just police, policing agencies. So right. Um, well, I know you were thinking about the, the state's ability to compel you, but um, the the two are kind of connected because remember, your corporations are instrumentalities of the state. Oh. So it applies to them as well. But you have one additional thing. When was the last time you you uh, did a good thorough read on your Oregon Constitution? Never. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm ashamed to say, but I'm well, trying to okay. catch up with the information you give us every week. And <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I don't have enough time in a week. Yeah. Um, okay. Under Article 11 of the Oregon Constitution. See, what, what you've done there with, with that, um, uh, well, I'll, I'll save that for a minute. Article 11 of the Oregon Constitution, it's never been amended. It's still there under Section 1. It says, the Legislative Assembly shall not have the power to establish or incorporate any bank or banking company or moneyed institution, whatever, nor, here's the key part, nor shall any bank company or institution um, exist in the state with the privilege of making, issuing, or putting into circulation any bill, check, certificate, promissory note or other paper or the paper of any bank company or person to circulate as money. That's completely consistent with Article 1, Section 10 of the United States Constitution. Well, then how have they been getting away with it? By your consent. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, when you put you put that out there on your schedule of fees and charges, saying, you know, you want to deprive me of my rights, which this particular uh, constitutional provision secures or helps secure, um, when you put that out there, you rip the bottom right out of their claim, um, not only by the state constitution, but by the United States constitution, because they would have to then admit that they're putting paper, bank paper into circulation as money. Uh -huh. And that would include 
if you finance your car through GMC uh, financing or whatever it is, um, and uh, you know they try to explain it away that uh, like the credit cards are the credit cards are interstate. Okay. Yeah. So they try to claim that they have the enabling authority through federal law. It doesn't matter. They said this article in the Oregon State Constitution, which, by the way, was modeled on the Constitution for Indiana. There's a number of other states that have variations on this same provision. I'm offhand, I don't recall which ones, but they're there. I think Florida has, is one of them. But... Um, <clears throat> When you put out the schedule of fees and charges, you put notice out to everybody, um, uh, and they, in order to assert their claim, they would have to admit they're in violation of the state constitution. Well, that's fantastic. And in order to compel you to pay in a state court, um, now they're in violation of Article One, Section Ten of the United States Constitution. So <laughs> you just rip the rug right out from under their any basis for their claim. Wow. That's why. That's why they withdrew their suit. Oh. Well, then why would they bother dismissing it um, without that's a prejudice? Withdrawal. Well, as I explained before, they they withdrew their case. Um, because they really didn't have any other choice. And the without prejudice was a face-saving thing for their side, for the attorney that was representing them. Oh, okay. So he can go back to his his uh, employers, the, the bank or whatever, and say, well, I did all I could do without going to jail over it. Okay. I see. Great. It's a face-saving thing. They're never. They're not going to follow up with anything. They're not going to revisit this case. Why would they want to? Yeah, they wouldn't if they're smart, and it seems like they are. I mean, you're set up now with these people, so um, they don't dare come back with it. That'd be like for them. That'd be like sticking their fingers into the uh, uh, food disposal unit in your sink. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, it would pay you to read your state constitution. You think? <laughs> <laughs> but here's the problem. Here's part of my problem of reading uh, state con state or e uh, national, whatever. All of this legal stuff, you know, as old as I am, I have been so indoctrinated with the with the standard way of thinking about things, the common way of thinking about things, that when I read a word in one of those documents, uh, I take it to mean the old way, the, the way that common people understand it. So it's really hard for me to to grasp what I'm reading in the bigger picture. Okay, well, that goes back to the um, affidavit that sometimes goes with the schedule of fees and charges, it always goes back to what is your enabling authority? What is the enabling authority um, that empowers the state legislature um, to subordinate my secured rights to mere public policy statute? 
and it isn't there. And that's what the writ of Corrento is all about, is where is the authority? And same thing on habeas corpus, which is a subset of the uh, Corrento. Where is the authority? If you can't produce it, turn them loose. Leave them alone. Yeah. So it always goes back to the enabling authority. And that's the one thing that these bar maggots can't get around. <laughs> Good. You know, they've, cre- they've, they've structured and created this game that's seemingly horrible, horribly complex. And, and people spend an inordinate amount of time trying to learn how to deal with it when all they got to do is go back and say, oh, well, where's the enabling authority that, I, that empowered you to do that? I, don't, I can't find it, can you? And when they come back with, with whatever, essentially saying that they can't produce it, um, then you can tell them to take a hike. So that's a very handy, uh, handy question to have on hand. Also, um, also, uh, where's your provable cause? I think that's another one that that. Well, that's on the criminal side. But either one, both of those are wonderful, wonderful things. Yeah, but the um, you have to remember the remedy. the remedy that the schedule of fees and charges sets up is civil. It can have a criminal factual basis, but the remedy itself is civil. You're just saying, okay, you want to violate my rights? Go ahead. It's going to cost you $1,000 a minute or whatever. <clears throat> and uh, now in my case, um, I have a reputation, so I'm, they leave me entirely alone. <laughs> Good. <laughs> oh, that's where I want to be. There you go. <clears throat> so you don't. I mean, if you do it this way, uh, you avoid all the stress. You avoid all of the all of the uh, anxiety and the typical that goes with this sort of stuff. You say, okay, well, it's just business. You want to throw me in jail? Go ahead. I can't make a thousand dollars a minute doing anything else, so <laughs> right. That's a hefty fee. Yeah, and in addition to that they you know, they um keep a roof over your head and give you three squares a day. <laughs> in addition to the thousand dollars a minute, so <laughs> uh, I've had a taste of jail food. No thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So that pretty well covers the question. I think the questions you had, and um, the appropriate answers. So I think you have some other questions you have you wanted to do. Uh, ones that I have prepared for this evening specifically, or ones that you have that I wrote yeah. to you. Uh, the ones you prepared for this evening. Okay. Um. Yeah, all I have to do is which one? Okay. I think it had something to do with uh, Curtis's material. Um, no, I don't have any questions regarding Curtis's material. <laughs> I've been too busy. Oh. <laughs> I, I trying to. Oh boy, 
it's been a crazy week. Hopefully next week I'll I'll be more up on things. But I do have questions. Okay. So. Well, um, you know, one thing that uh, I haven't put out there yet um, to Tad or you or anybody else, um, I have on my computer the new national anthem. Mm-hmm. Did oh, you create oh. it? Uh-huh. Did you create it? No. It's been around a while. It just hasn't been put out there where the people can see it for really? a while. Yeah. It's called Looney Tunes. Does it have a second verse? <laughs> uh, yes, it does, actually. <laughs> anything in it about crooked Hillary? <laughs> um, I think that's self-explanatory. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. I've, I've got some right. questions. All right. Go for it. Okay. Now, last week we ended with, <laughs> um, okay, property tax. I got the property tax statement. Uh-huh. Uh from the county, and we had discovered that the statement was in all caps, except for a handwritten note at the bottom. And right. on, on it, uh, nothing nothing had a dollar sign. It had amounts, you know, like... Just numerical characters? Exactly, numerical characters, and um, but the only... Oh. But okay, the, let's take things one time, one thing at a time. Okay. You do understand that in evidence, um, as far as written or documented evidence, handwritten documents take precedent over printed or uh, typed documents. Yes, you have mentioned that before, but thanks okay. for mentioning it again. So whatever whatever was written on that by hand, in hand by somebody's longhand takes precedent over whatever else is on there. Well, all she says basically is the last payment that they received, and then she uses what is commonly referred to as the dollar sign symbol to say uh-huh. how much I the last time I paid, and saying that it, my uh, account is seriously delinquent and will be subject to foreclosure. So okay. that I basically should call her. Um, um, now, if she wrote hand wrote the dollar sign. Mm-hmm. Um, you could make mention of that if you're going to communicate with her, and I would recommend that you do. The worst oh. thing people can do is not communicate with these people. Okay. Uh, you just have to do it skillfully. Because, um, uh, you know, um, they deem silence as acquiescence. So you always want to answer. You just don't answer them the way they expect to be answered. Um on the handwritten part, you can ask her, uh, you can mention that she used the dollar sign. Um, you can ask her if she's aware of any, you've searched the statutes and can't find any statute where the legislature has defined that symbol. Um, and well, if she is aware of anything to the contrary, you'd like to know what it is. That's almost like a public disclosure request for a FOIA. But the dollar sign is only 
ref in front of uh, numbers that say that the last payment they received was yeah. That well, the, re the way I'm reading that is is she in handwriting acknowledged that you paid them the lawful money. Did she use the double bars? No. Oh, just single? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, well, also, she said that that's what they received. But that isn't the issue here. The issue is, what are they empowered to compel? Right. All right? So you keep that in the back of your mind. In other words, if you want to voluntarily give them something other than gold and silver coin, and they voluntarily accept it, there's nothing unconstitutional about that. Yes. But when it comes to compelling you, and there's lots of forms that compelling or coercion can, can uh, take place, um, such as foreclosure, etc., that's a form of, of coercion or, or compelling you. I'll say. <laughs> All right. Well, Article 1, Section 10 basically says they can't compel you to tender anything with gold and silver coin. Well, <clears throat> gold and silver coin isn't in free circulation right now, so they're asking you to do some, uh, perform the impossible. What they typically do is they come back at you and say, well, we can accept uh, cash or credit cards or da-da-da. Yeah. And your your position is, well, I don't care what you can accept or voluntarily accept. <laughs> what can you compel me to do? And are you compelling me to do this? And <clears throat> now that's on that point. The other point is, since you mentioned the, the bill that was sent to you in the other part, uh, you got two questions there. Is What's the enabling authority that empowered uh, that agency to um, come at you through a fiction for which you have there's uh, no memory of accepting any legal li um, obligation or, or liability. But you didn't create that fiction, that all capital letter fiction. That's for sure. And so you're saying, I have no memory. In other words, you're saying, I have no record of accepting any legal duty or obligation in relation to that thing. So why are you coming at me through that? Now, we both know the reason they're doing that is because it's a fiction. It has no rights, but you do. And they, if they have to deal with your rights, they, <laughs> you're going to shut them down. So they have to come at you through the fiction uh, on the uh, hope and prayer that you're going to um, do something that acknowledges that you have some kind of a legal duty or obligation in relation to that i.e. like a trustee. Okay? Okay. Well, I so, think... So that's on that part of it. On the other part, since they are demanding, uh, what is the amount in numerical characters? The amount in numerical characters that they say is they the total due, uh -huh. or the balance due, is nine comma two two three period one eight. Uh nine two two three point Yeah. Point one eight. Okay. Uh round it off to the next whole number. Okay. Nine two two three. 
nine. Then it would be nine two two four. Or nine two two four. Okay. So nine two two four, um, and then you send them a very nice letter and say, since you didn't specify the substance of what you wanted, um, here's nine thousand two hundred and twenty-four jelly beans. You can keep the change. So I actually send them a package of jelly beans? Yeah. Or pinto beans or whatever I feel like? Well, pinto beans probably have more grains or rice probably. probably. Yeah, Yeah, well, well, that, you see if it's, uh, you know, beans or rice or whatever, that actually has food value. It's probably worth more than the the, uh, jelly beans. But, um, yeah, you can do that. And they can't do anything to you about that because... uh, it's a voluntary offer. They didn't specify what they wanted, so that leads it up to you as to what you offer. <laughs> <laughs> I wish so, I had 9,224 sheep berries. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that has value, too, but as fertilizer. Yeah, right. <laughs> Do you really want to be sitting there counting out 9,000 sheep berries? Not Especially, you think all all the things we've discussed here. No, all the things we've discussed here have, even though it may not be that much, all the things we've discussed here have value. By statute, the Federal Reserve notes or anything transactable in them have no no uniform uh, established legislatively established uniform value. So you're offering them something superior to the Federal Reserve notes. That's probably true. It is true because the statutes, um, I forget which one now, uh, took away the the actual fixed value of the dollar. Well, Matia, I, let's see. um, And they can't put a dollar sign on it because that hasn't been legislatively defined, so... um, In other words, always remember the state or any of its instrumentalities, the state is in, under the disadvantage here. They're between a rock and a hard place. Good. Uh, so they, it, it's like the, uh, it's like a poker game. They're hoping, they're hoping they can bluff you into thinking that you have to <laughs> uh, do things their way. And um, they got nowhere to go if you call or bet. Well, I'm calling it this time. Okay. And that, the way you call that is it always goes back to what is the enabling authority? And that applies to the legislature. What is the enabling authority that empowers the legislature to subordinate your secured rights to mere public policy statutes? And they have nowhere to go with that. And I looked back at the three uh, essential documents uh, to my property, the warranty deed and then a deed of reconveyance and then Uh a quitclaim deed. Right. And the the very first one, the warranty deed, um, was in all caps. Our names were in all caps. Okay, so the property... Um, 
to all appearances, the property went into a fictional entity that resembles a trust with your name on it. Right. But then, interestingly, okay. at the very bottom, it uh, it says grantee's name and address. And that's in title case. Okay. So up at the very top, when you fill in the blanks, that's what. Yeah, but they're just identifying you there as the trustee of that of that fictional entity. So, but then down at the bottom, they recognize that we're in, you know, title case. They and don't then, call it that, but that's what's occurring. Okay. And then the second thing we got once we had paid off the previous owners, uh-huh. we got a deed of reconveyance. And our names on that were in title case. All the way through? Yes. So then the property was reconveyed, and that's a key term. I you know, I mentioned that in my uh, write-up on curses thing. One of the key phrases you need to learn about is conveyance. Yes. Convey and conveyance. So the property was reconveyed out of that fictional entity directly to you. Correct. So where's the problem? Well, then there's, and then I think as further backup, the last thing is when uh, my former husband and I split up, we just right. did quit claim deeds and went to the local stationery store and I typed up the, typed them up and I typed our names in title case. So okay. our names do not appear in all caps. Well, then that's that's the official record. The last conveyance was out of the fiction into your names. Okay. Great. So if they're sending a bill to the fiction, <laughs> yeah. that, that's another that's another way you could respond to that. You can say, well, um, <clears throat> this uh, fictional entity that you have here as the uh, that this bill is addressed to. Uh, this property no longer belongs to that fiction. Oh, I love it. That's the key is you have to, you know, this whole legal profession is operating in the abstract. They're operating in make-believe. They're operating in fiction. Um, You're the reality. (laughs) Um, I, I did that one time in the court. Judge challenged me on the name game. Yeah. I said the real man is um is here and the evidence is standing right in front of you. <laughs> what did he yeah. say or she? Um well, he didn't really say anything. He just he backed off, and he, <laughs> you could see, you could visibly see the um, wind went out of his sails. <laughs> but, <clears throat> you know, it's it's kind of like I told another judge. Uh, this was in Oregon. Um, I said, uh, you took an oath. And I'm claiming the benefit of it. I'm going to hold you to it. And he, you could just see him visibly shrink in on himself. And he said, well, I'm trying to uphold it. I said, you're not doing a very good job of it. Well said. You can fire these people if you want, you know. 
rid of Quo Warento? No, you don't even have to go that far. You can be an open court. If they do something out of line, you can say you're fired. I think you mentioned that a few calls back, that you actually and did how it. Does, how does that work? And how does um, it work, and well, how well does of, it work? Well, it can take a lot of different forms. I've never ever even been threatened with contempt. Uh, but I've done things, uh, most of this stuff was in Oregon courts, um, Eastern Oregon. The, uh, the, I think one time, I'm, I'd have to recall, I don't hold a lot of this stuff in my head anymore. Um, I think the judge was prosecuting the case from the bench. The prosecutor was just sitting there with his mouth shut. And I was I was helping somebody else on this, and I raised my hand, and he says he looked at me and he said, "What What do you want?" And I said, "You are out of order." I said, "You're out of order." Mm-hmm. And he said, and then he wanted he was getting kind of clever. Then he says, "Oh, how's that?" And I said, "Well, I don't think we have any problem with you prosecuting this case, but you're going to get down here at this table and do it from here, and we'll get somebody on the bench that knows how to be a neutral party." Wow. Otherwise, zip it up. <laughs> now, he, he, you know, when you catch them stepping outside their proper role and you call them on it, um, they know what you're doing. And <clears throat> he probably knew that, that if he continued, the very next thing coming out of my mouth would be, you're fired. You're in breach of your oath. And how is that enforceable? Um, I mean, you say you're fired. He's like, ha, ha, ha. We're going to continue this some other time. Next. No, you'd say, I beg to differ. You want to prosecute. A prosecutor is under an executive oath, not a judicial one. And there's a constitutional requirement for separation of powers in Oregon anyway. In Article Three, and if you're gonna, and it says very explicitly, whatever oath you're under, you cannot exercise the powers belong the other any of the other two powers. So you tell them they're fired, and they want to try and proceed. You say, um, mm, uh, "You're fired, and I will have you arrested for impersonating a judicial officer if you're going to proceed as an executive officer prosecuting this case." And if I can't find a deputy sheriff to arrest you, I'll arrest you myself and remand you over to his custody. Wow. About time. And that's that's one example. Uh, um, another example is where they read out of the case file and they interject, you know, when they open it up. They're doing that for the memory or the record of the court. They say this is a time set for they say it, whether it's a hearing or a trial or whatever, so-and-so versus so-and-so case number. And then they uh, they start reading from the docket sheet on in the case file. And um, But a lot of them, sometimes they'll start interjecting their own comments into it. That happened on one case, and I raised my hand. He said, what do you want? And I said, you're out of order. <laughs> And he said, um, how's that? 
and I said, if you want to testify, that's okay, but you're going to get down on the witness stand and swear in under penalty of perjury before you do. And he just looked at me, <laughs> and he stopped inter- He stopped putting his own comments into what he's reading out of the dog sheet. <clears throat> Like I said, I've never even been threatened with contempt because whenever I call them on that, mm-hmm. when they step outside their proper role, um, and that's always pursuant to their oath, um, they know I'm right, and it would be pointless to try and... You have to remember, contempt is an allegation. It's not a judgment. It's an allegation. He's making a personal claim or allegation against you for contempt of court which court consists of a lot more than just the judge. He's only one component. And contempt applies to the the court in all of its components. And so if he... um, And that's why they have to warn you on contempt, is he has to be able to prove that you intended to contempt. That's why they do the warning. But in my case, they haven't... I have yet to have a judge warn me on contempt. I'm always right when I call them on stuff like this. And they know I'm right. You sound very definite about that. <laughs> I would not want to be a judge of you. Uh, well, I haven't I haven't made very many friends with those people. <laughs> Did you want to? <laughs> not especially. <laughs> So is that all the questions you have? No, I got a couple more if you don't mind. Okay, so real quick, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the call out. If anybody has questions, hit star eight on your phone. Okay, thanks. So that'll um, tell us if somebody has questions. Go ahead. Okay, so back to uh, so I'm at an either or situation here. It seems, Monty. I'd I'd just assume not engage with them and because they're coming just because they sent this whatever it was to my uh, title case name on mm-hmm. the envelope the actual uh, account summary that they printed out for me has um, has my name in all caps <coughs> Um, okay, but the the thing is, you, you the worst thing you can do is not answer, not communicate. Okay, I don't mind communicating, but but so what, what you I, do is you write back and you say, well, according to the public record, and you can back that up. You just told me you could. According to the public record, this property that you're trying to tax no longer belongs to that fictional entity that you put on the bill. Let them worry about how to straighten it out. So then I would say, would that be all I would say in that letter? Pretty much, yeah. So. You're not even down to the point where you're discussing jelly beans or or whatever. (laughs) Right. I don't. (laughs) In other words, you're saying you sent this bill to the wrong party. And it's even according to their own records that have... That's that's right. 
Okay. It'll be un- under their deeds index. Okay. So what I'll probably do is I'll I'll probably work on a letter. <laughs> okay. And yeah, and keep it, keep it simple, you know. Don't get all uh, legalese with it. I don't want to. Yeah, I I don't want to. I don't want to do that. I just want to say whatever. I'll I'll work it out, and and then uh, check back with you. And you know, and the best way, uh, you know, like when I used to do a lot of litigating, um, more often than not, I'd go in and I'd give them the impression that I was a dumb a dumb country uh, pumpkin seed. And it always caught them by surprise when they found out I was a little bit more than that. <laughs> well, I think uh, I, I'd, I'd like to do this through the mail. I don't want to have to go down to their office for any reason. Yeah, I mean, I and I would agree with you on that because my policy has always been if it's not in writing and signed, it is or it contains a lie. I don't, I don't want to communicate with them by phone. I don't want to communicate with them verbally. I want it in writing, and I want it signed. Okay. Otherwise, it is or it contains a lie. All right. And that policy has always worked for me. Because what you're doing is you're creating an evidence trail. Yeah, I like that. Should I? Well, anyway, I'll talk about it later. Also, interestingly, you know, she said, oh, our, in the handwritten note, our computer system prints in all capital letters. But, you know, I looked at their, I looked at the uh, computerized, um, statement and then the uh, coupon portion at the bottom. And uh-huh. interestingly enough, it's funny. All the information that they had to fill in to make it appropriate for this time, uh-huh. the link went 2015 16 taxes. Uh, what do you know? Those words are in title case. Uh, you could legitimately ask her that. Uh, question. In other words, you could say, um, <clears throat> "What's the enabling authority that re- that empowers your computer program?" We did that one time in the state of Washington, Stevens County. Um, guy went in; he was doing the name game thing, and I was helping him with it. Um, and uh, he. Uh, went in and they they wouldn't change the uh, all caps name on their billing and he said who program they and they said that they said that well our computers are set up that way he said who programmed your computer yeah good question and <clears throat> they told him they they contracted with a private firm to uh, do their computer systems so he got a hold of the uh, they were out of Wenatchee and um he talked to the guy that actually did the work for uh, Stevens County, um, and he and he said uh, they're telling me that they can only do all caps on the address. And the guy said that's not true. We can set it up any way we want to. And he said, well, then why did you set it up that way for them? And he said because we were told to. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now you've got Let's... an expert. Now you've got an expert witness you can bring in. Oh. And uh, let's and give him on the call. And then the uh, question you ask at that point is, who told you to do it that way? Then mm. you you pull you pull on the string a little bit harder, and you find out who did who ordered him to set up the computers that way. 
then you go to them and you say, what's the enabling authority that empowered you to direct him to do that? Well, I will just focus on the fact that there's that they're trying to uh, squeeze me for somebody else, some other entities. Yeah, that's the way to look at it. And yeah. you know, you think you're bad for questions. When it gets into this kind of stuff, I'm nothing but a, a tangled ball of questions. In other words, <laughs> it's kind of like I put in my handbooks. I like playing the tar baby. <laughs> As soon as they they get a hold of me, they they can't let go. Oh. They can't get away. <laughs> okay, one more quick question. Uh, yeah, make it quick so we do have somebody else It will waiting. be quick, really. Okay. Uh, I think my question is quick. My question is quick. Last week we spoke. Uh, I mentioned that uh, I had received uh, a, a mailing from a bank addressed to the all-caps name, and you suggested that I write something saying um, this fictional entity is not at this address or whatever. But you said to write it in red ink, and I'm wondering why you chose red ink. Just to make it conspicuous. Oh, okay. Okay. UCC requires that if you're going to do something like that, it has to be conspicuous. Okay. That's what I needed to know. Okay. Well, I'll get off and let Hawaii get on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Genevieve. Thank you, Tad. Appreciate Thank you it. so much, Monty. Okay. And thank you for the beautiful pictures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. Okay. Hey, hey you. you better clarify that. <laughs> <laughs> what, what pictures are we talking about? <laughs> oh, you know. You know, Monty. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll be listening. Good night. All right. Good night. Hey, Thomas. Hey. Hi, Ted, Monty. Uh, hey, just so you know, John, John and I were talking about you today, so don't think we forgot oh, about you. Oh, well, yeah, you know, it it, um, it feels like family here, you know. So, so many uh, people just... Um, uh, turning a blind eye to all the abuse we're taking, and and they you know say, well, why why do you in, invest so much time in this stuff? It's because if we don't, we're going to get run over, you know. So, um, yep. but congratulations to uh, you know to Genevieve for uh, for taking Monty's uh, cues and 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 what what did you guys say? I didn't quite hear. You said uh, did she say that uh, another financial Bank of America was trying to collect on her, and they withdrew their suit. <laughs> and she didn't even communicate with them necessarily, huh, about that? Um, well, she has, but as soon as the schedule of fees, I'm, I'm, there's no doubt in my mind, as soon as the schedule of fees and charges was published, they were aware of it not long after that, and they withdrew their suit in self-defense. They did it without prejudice. That was a face-saving thing for their attorney. But but it wasn't directed at them. It was they they must have read it off the public off of her newspaper posting or whatever. Yep. They hire <laughs> people to they hire people to read the legal notices. That's amazing. That that's that's but, really phenomenal. But Monty, isn't that a presumption? What what in what part? That they withdrew the suit because of her uh, notice. Well, it's a pretty strong one. 
Yeah, I mean, how long have they been going on? They, You know, they already had the case and everything. Well, the case was laying dormant for three years. Mm. Mm. And all of a sudden, right out of the blue, right after she files the schedule of fees and charges, they withdraw their suit. Doesn't that tell you something? <laughs> well, that's phenomenal. That's great. You know, and really, like, say, you know, once you start taking a stand, uh, somebody's going to stand up and somebody's going to notice eventually. Um, well, but, I, I like to do it in a way that's non-adversarial. In other words, it's very laid back. It's just business. You want to deprive yeah, me of no, my rights? You yeah, want to de- it, deprive me of my property? Then it's going to cost. Here's what it's going to cost. No big deal. It's just business. No, no need to stress over it, um, and there's no need to fight over it. Uh, and the whole legal system today is based on that, on uh, controversy, on adversarial proceedings. And you're not you're not offering to fight. You're just saying, okay, if you want to do that? Go ahead. Here's what it's going to cost. <laughs> and is that stuff covered in your uh, in your handbooks, um, or um, is that that will no, be beyond that? That's something that was more recently uh, that I more recently developed, and okay. it was, I was actually inspired by another person on that. Um, but I still plan to get the handbooks. It sounds like a phenomenal information. Yeah, and that's what's great is there's so many ways, so many angles, and that that, that was kind of what led to my call tonight. Was um, uh, you know I've been listening to other people as well, and um, there are different ways of going about this, and maybe you guys have heard. Um, this particular gentleman's angle, um, and I just kind of wanted to feel you out and see what you guys thought of it. But um, what he's saying, and they've had good results with, is um, is registering the name. Um, yeah, but <clears throat> you want to be careful with that because it's a matter of who created the fiction. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So who's the proper owner? Okay. Okay. So if you want to create a fiction, then you're going to be responsible for it. If they create the fiction, then all you have to say is, I I don't have any memory of accepting any legal duty or obligation in relation to this fiction. So uh, why are you uh, coming to me? Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, the, I guess the, the thing that seemed uh, interesting about it was it, it's kind of proactive in the sense, kind of like the schedule of fees and charges where, you know, you already got your paperwork in. And you, and, and so what this gentleman did was he showed up in a Florida court as the owner of the name, and then the judge objected to the claims from the mortgage company. She basically turned to him and turned to the, uh, to the guy who was, uh, you know, representing his name, and she said, um, I, I'm imagining you object to this. And he said, yes. And then she continued the case. He wasn't. He didn't even show up for the case. He was late and didn't make it. And they ruled in his favor. You know, she gave an order in his favor. And I, what he, I, I didn't know if I fully understood it, but I thought what he was alluding to was that um, once they recognized the corporation, then the laws of the UCC are going to be applicable, which is corporation to corporation. We have to have a mutual contract. We have to have both parties signing. Okay, well, it's kind of like I told the gentleman on last week's call. There, There's always more than one path to the same destination. 
So what it boils down to is, is uh, what are you the most comfortable with? One, and that's mm-hmm. going to be, and what's going to determine what you're most comfortable with is how much you know and how much you're willing to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I've tried to do, you know, the stuff I'm sharing right now is a distillation of about 40 years of experience. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> what I've tried to do, realizing that not everybody wants to spend the rest of their life trying to emulate Terry Mason or somebody, um, I just put it in simple everyday terms. But I do it with a, a very great deal of precision in order to keep the bar maggots contained in their sandbox. And, and is most of that accomplished through the um, schedule of fees and charges? Or you're just making them aware that, that you're... That handles a very great deal of it, yeah, because it always goes back to the money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they're just, you know, you're like a beehive. They don't they don't want to get near it, right? I mean... Yeah, and, and the other thing that I've learned is... Uh, so many people wait until it's too late. They don't communicate. I don't want to deal with that and so on and so forth. I mean, as soon as I get something in the mail, uh, you want to be, you know, you want to be sure you handle it correctly. But as soon as I get something in the mail, I'm right back at them. I'm bold as brass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been guilty of the other, you know, hoping it's going to go away, and then and then you end up in, in a deeper soup or whatever. So, well, what you're doing is you're establishing the fact that you're acting in good faith. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. And like when you say, would... even even if even if you just send them a, a bit of money, they can't say that you're, um, you know, you're not acting in good faith. Yeah. If you want to do that, if you want to send them what, what they're calling money, or not. But yeah. Uh, the well, I, if you're if you're going to do that, then what you do is always maintaining your mind. That uh, constitutionally, uh, you can voluntarily offer them tender whatever you want to, and they can voluntarily accept it. But when it gets down to what can they compel you to do, that's a whole different matter. But that's that you you kind of discussed that earlier, which is for for a civil matter or for like a matter with a bank or somebody we've contracted with. We would have to wait for the state to make those compellings, right? We, we, because the the bank, we kind of made an agreement with with them. Is, am I reading that wrong? Or well, let's say that you get a judgment against a bank or somebody gets a judgment against you in the state court. How are they going to collect it? They're going to have to get a writ of execution, are they not? Okay. Yeah. Judge's orders. Yeah, they're going to have to get a writ of execution out of the court. Well, there you have an instrumentality of the state trying to compel you to tender something other than gold and silver coin. Now, unless there's a contract that you've authorized some other form of money, uh, and and a lot of contracts do, you have to. That's the law. In other words, when you sign a contract, you're legislating. You're directly exercising the legislative power, and you're creating a law, and that law is between you and the other parties. And it's no less enforceable than what comes out of the legislature. It's just not a general law. Okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So before you start 
taking issue with some of these people or the whatever banks or whatever. Uh, you need to review the contracts and read them carefully and see what you authorize. Because if I, I've told people before more than once, the signature, that's why they want your signature, because if they don't have the authority under, through the Constitution, they have to get it directly from you under contract law. The signature, right. the signature serves two purposes. It doesn't serve any other purpose. It serves the purpose of authorizing or authenticating. That's it. So the forms that we could agree to typically are going to be either the dollar sign or dollars spelled out or what, Federal Reserve notes. So, I mean, there's a, there's a fairly limited, you know, a dollar with one slash or no sign at all. I don't care if it's just an S or an S with the tick marks on the bottom and top or a single bar or double bar. None of those symbols have been legislatively defined. So then if it's spelled out D-O-L-L-A-R-S, then uh, then we can say those are no longer of the money of accounts, would be the argument no, there. Because, because Congress removed the definition of, of dollar from the code. So how does that how does that benefit that um, you know when they when they have spelled it out and you have agreed to dollars? Well, then then you you've created some law that's binding on you. Okay. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm but typically, what they do is they have a promissory note to go with like a mortgage. The promissory note will spell it out. They want lawful money of the United States. Well, that's there's only one thing that that defines. Mhm. Mm it's over coin. Okay, and that's fine. So then, um, so, so they're asking you, they're demanding something. In other words, the law does not require the impossible. And if they're demanding under their promissory note that they want lawful money in the United States, then they're, the, uh, they're asking you to perform the impossible, and the law doesn't do that. And if they ask you to pay in something else, now they're in breach of the promissory note. Right. So the... Um uh, you know, but they say there are a side of the argument. And they say, fine, well, you know, okay, fine, we'll, you know, we'll accept what we agreed to, which was uh, Federal Reserve notes. And you're say, or I mean, uh, I'm sorry, would be um, gold and silver. Uh, that, um, uh, well, that if, you know, now if they say uh, currency, some of the contracts say currency. Uh-huh. If they say currency, then give them a uh, promissory note for that amount. Right, right. <laughs> the whole idea is we're, you know, maybe we don't have enough promissory notes, you know. Oh, oh, oh promissory note. Oh, okay, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, what, what do you think is... a better? What do you think a Federal Reserve note is? It's right, no, note. right, right. So my, there's no reason my bond shouldn't be as good as theirs, right? I mean, or, yeah. you know. Yeah, my promissory note, which would be backed by my bond, which is my word, right? So, yeah. So okay. if they come back and say you can't do that, you say, "Are you challenging my authority?" <laughs> I hope you are, because I need the money. Yeah. No, it's great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, no. By the way, here's my schedule of fees and charges. <laughs> <laughs> you right, know, well, we got somebody else that raised their hand here. Okay, well, we're kind of running on there, but um, no, it's it's uh, I appreciate it, and um, 
uh, yeah, hopefully somebody, can, I, we're always learning from uh, from everybody's scenarios. But thanks, Monty, and thanks, Dad. You bet. All right, California, when your phone on mute, it's your turn. Hey, Chad, it's Tanya. Hey. Hi, Tanya. Hey, Monty. I got a quick question that that gentleman just mentioned. I didn't think about this. Monty. Sorry, we're only, have... accepting, we're only accepting long questions tonight, not quick ones. <laughs> okay. Do you yeah. have, uh, is there a, is there a uh, on the site, Chad, is there a, uh, exa- a promissory note example? Or uh, place on how that, to write one up? There, there might. Uh, there might be under the Gordon no. Hall stuff, but yeah, but said, not under my no, not Mon- under my Mon- stuff. No, Monty said no. Okay. No, and I'll tell you why. Because a promissory note is a two-party agreement. Okay. Um, if you condition it, in other words, there has to be a, a fixed amount payable at a fixed time. Uh huh. That's agreed upon. Um. And that's called a bilateral contract. A unilateral contract is one-sided, and that's kind of like when you offer a reward to anybody that finds your dog and brings it back. Uh-huh. Okay, that's a unilateral contract, and it's only binding on you. Okay. And, and the condition is that they have to bring the dog back to you. Right. And there's no set time. So... <clears throat> um. The way you can approach that is make it, it gets a little more complicated because now if you're going to do a promissory note, then you have to first make an offer. Okay. Right? You you present them with an offer saying, here's what I'm willing to do. But that doesn't stop you from uh, handing them a copy of your schedule of fees and charges. Okay. And remember this. When I started this thing tonight, I mentioned the uh, provision in the Oregon Constitution, which is also in the Indiana Constitution. I think it's in the Florida Constitution. It's in a number of others um, where it says no no banking or moneyed institution shall exist within the state with the privilege of circulating any bank paper, note, promissory note, whatever, as money. Well, all the banks are dealing the Federal Reserve notes, so they're they're in violation of that. No question of it. Okay. Uh, now, if you're in a state that doesn't have that constitutional provision, then, um, and, and by the way, that just simply reinforces Article 1, Section 10 of the United States Constitution. Right. But if your state doesn't have that specific provision, uh, then you would come under the, um, I think it's Article 4, United States Constitution, all the privileges and immunities of one okay. state are, uh, you're entitled to the privileges and immunities that exist in any other state in the Union. Okay. I think it's right around Article 4, Section 4, but I could be mistaken on that. Okay. So, um, but in answer to your, going back to your question, I was, I was preparing a thing on how to handle these, these demands for payment 
Um, one was the dollar sign thing, and the other one was the uh, jelly bean thing, if it's all numerics. And the third thing, the third option, was the uh, promissory note. But then I got to thinking about it, that that's a two-party contract, and, and the parties have to agree to it. And it can't be condition, conditional. There are a couple of exceptions to that, but they don't really apply um, in in this use. So the only other way is to go back to the negotiating table and you make an offer and say, here's what I'm willing to do. You agree to that or not? Okay. In other words, never, when in doubt, here's a good policy to follow. When you're in doubt, especially in dealing with these people, when you're in doubt, communicate. Don't withdraw because um, you know, most people view furtive behavior as suspect or criminal. Right? Correct. Correct. Yeah, somebody's looking all over the place except at you, or they're uh, avoiding the questions or doing all kinds of stuff. That's furtive behavior. And the first thought that usually comes in your mind when you encounter that is, what is this guy trying to hide? Monty, are you, am I talking now? No, hang on, hang on. you got to hit star eight, and then we'll call oh. on you. Okay. I just had a good thought for him. I just wanted to say there's six to ten frauds on every mortgage, mortgage contract. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm aware of that. And the other thing is, when you bring in the element of fraud, there's no statute of limitations. Exactly. Does that answer your question, Tanya? Yeah, um, yeah kind of. Um, <laughs> well, the other thing I wanted to ask you is if you could, if uh, Genevieve's on the line and she would it's agree not. to this, I'd like if you could have... Um, your microphone sounds muffled. It's like you're. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you hear me better? Is it better now? Yes. Yeah. Okay. If you, uh, if Genevieve's still on the line, if you could get with her, I would. I would really like working with Genevieve regarding this thing with the uh, property taxes, because I'm on. That's on my uh, radar also. <laughs> I, it, you're not alone. There's a lot of people. It's on. It's on their radar. Yeah. So I'd like to work with her on that and the uh, and the statement of um, of uh, fees and charges. Yeah, the um, but always remember the idea is to uh, not get serious about it. In other words, don't put limitations on yourself. Just because somebody says you can't do this or you can do that. Um, Oh, okay. Well, thank you for your opinion. Uh, <laughs> or if, if you get some bar maggot that says you, or or a bureaucrat that says you can't do that, you say, oh, "What are you going to do to me if I don't, or if I do?" Well, I can do this. I didn't ask you what you can do. I ask you what you are going to do. What you do with that is you're establishing coercion. Okay. 
Oh, uh, Monty. Monty, yeah. question um, a, a little bit about what we were talking, what I talked to you about earlier. Um, when I do, when I submit my uh, um, the quo warranto, rid of quo warranto, and, and all, in, in addition to doing an appeal, so I can get my uh, ticket to federal court on my case in state court. No. All I really need, all I really need to do is to um, is to request that they produce the enabling authority that empowers the uh, that empowers them to subordinate <laughs> my secured rights to uh, under Article One, Section Ten of the United States Constitution to mere well, public policy statutes. Correct or no? No, you're going after on the core enter. You're going after the judge on the basis of his oath to keep you secure in your rights. Right. Under Article Four. Okay. Yeah, I I understand that part, but for and you want to be you want to be yeah, and you want to be careful with that because if you're going to go on the appellate line for uh-huh. the other part, uh-huh. um, there are some things that you can do concurrently and some you cannot. In other words, the quorento is an original writ, and that would go straight into the U.S. Supreme Court after you have tried to put it in through the state Supreme Court. Okay. And the difference is, um, on the appellate line, you're asking the court to basically determine whether or not there was a procedural error in the lower court, okay? And Uh, with the the Quorento... Okay, go ahead. On the Quorento, what you're after, you're going to take that judge out of office. That's what you want. Okay. And those are two entirely different things. Would you recommend doing them both or just one? Um, well, you could do them both. I think you could do them concurrently but um, because you're addressing different sides of the court. An example of that is that when you file a, um, an original action in the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, it, you're putting the court in a trial court capacity and it is presided over by one justice. And then, if you don't like the way that justice uh, ruled on the case, or you know you don't like the outcome and you think there's a procedural error, then you refile into the Supreme Court on the appellate side, and then you have, then they sit in bonk, or there are a minimum of three justices to decide the appeal on the procedural errors. So the court has more than one side to it. It depends on how you're moving the court. Okay. Right. Now with the with the with the um the procedural error, all I need to do is is um um simply state what uh regarding the enabling authority, correct? That they the procedural error was are asking them to produce the enabling authority. That empower, or the court failed to produce enabling authority that empowers it to. Uh, yeah, you to, could uh, use that. You could use okay. that as the basis. Um, okay. But remember this: on the appellate line, you're going to have to take it through the state supreme court. Then you're going to have to go through the Ninth Circuit court. Then you're going to have to go through oh. or, uh, up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Okay. So you're looking at a long, arduous um, oh. okay. battle. Whereas with the writ of Corrento. All, you know, like I said, you're limited to just taking the judge out of office. But 
You have to do uh, make the attempt to go through the state supreme court with that. They'll okay. probably turn you down, saying they don't have the statutory authority to do that. That's fine because they don't the way they're operating. Uh, but you've exhausted your state remedy. Then you can go straight into the U.S. Supreme Court. It's an original writ. They have to advance it on the docket, the same as a habeas corpus. Um, and um, there's there's none of all. You don't have to go through all that other stuff to get it get in there. Okay. Can I use the um, Can I use the Title Thirty One regarding? Um, uh, I don't use. No, you don't want to use the codes. No, 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 no. The reason why I'm talking about that is for the filing fee. What about it? There's no filing fee on there's no filing fee on a habeas corpus, and that's a subset of the um, corrento. Why oh, do you think they would charge? Okay, I, didn't, I didn't know that. Okay. No, there's no filing fee on a habeas corpus, and that's a subset of the of the uh, corrento. Okay. Okay. So why would there be a fee? Okay, I didn't know because I haven't done that before. Oh, okay. I just automatically assumed it was a fee because I have fees for everything. <laughs> not not on do. original not on original prerogative writs, there is not. Okay. Right. All right. So is that much answer your question? Thank you, Tanya. All right, uh, if anybody's got any more questions hit star eight. Otherwise we're gonna hang it up for the evening. Oh, by the way, Monty, somebody on the chat asked the question. Are you familiar with the people's grand juries forming around the country? Um, I'm aware of it, and I was one of the first people, I think, not to brag or anything. I was one of the first people to push that. And uh, what I was telling people is you're going to have to, under the right of assembly, Article 1 of the Bill of Rights, you're going to have to um, get people involved in their assemblies and have the assembly appoint the grand jury. Now you're under the law of the land. You don't ask the court for permission to do it. Same thing as posse comitatus. You don't have to get the sheriff's permission to act under posse comitatus power. Same thing with the militias. You don't have to be under the state governor. You can be an unorganized militia. They can't stop that. And I think uh, former or the uh, judge members, judge, uh, oh, which judge was it? Scaliano or whatever his name was? Scalia. 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 Yeah. Scalia. Uh, he made a comment about. Uh, grand juries. He said it's the fourth arm of government, and it's outside the Constitution. Wow. It, it's the ultimate check and balance on government in this country. So, <clears throat> oh, um, something else I wanted to mention. I did mention it uh, on my uh, thing. My review of the uh, Curtis Collenbeck material. Okay. Uh, it, he didn't mention it, but it stirred a memory on my part. Um, and that has to do with state-issued birth certificates. Uh-huh. 
it's interesting to note that on a state uh, birth certificate, state-issued birth certificate, they want the father's name, and then they want the mother's maiden surname. You ever wondered why? Well, Felix, you're going to tell us. Well, it has to do with the right of inheritance, which essentially for this country began with the Magna Carta. The right of inheritance passes through the male side of the family. That's why they want the surnames. Uh, so any inheritance that comes to the wife from her parents comes through the father's name. And her husband, it has to come to him through her from her surname, her maiden surname, from that side of the family. That's why they want the um, maiden surname on the uh, birth certificates. Because it doesn't matter how many offspring a a woman has, they always want the maiden surname on the birth certificate. It's all about right of inheritance. Um, So it's all about property. And the other thing on that is um, most people are aware of the precept of law that uh, possession is nine-tenths of the law, but nobody ever wonders what the other 10% consists of or what effect it may have on that nine-tenths. And the other 10% is going to involve contracts, obligations, <laughs> in other words, uh, interest in the property. Am I making sense? Yeah. Okay, that was all. I was just going to toss that in there. All right, I think we got John in Arizona that wants to talk to you. Okay. Go ahead. Hi, I just I had a few questions. Uh, it might help. Uh, okay. Your questions are going to help. No, I said they might help several people. Uh, oh, so Monty, saying... by the way, Monty, <laughs> this is yeah. this is the miner down in Arizona that we spoke with. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is John Buchanan. I was Bob's. Friend. He used to come stay with me. We worked on a lot of things. But anyway, um, I miss him every day, by the way. Yep. But anyway, I wanted to bring this out. Some counties, some states, and the U.S. Inc. are trying to basically hide or not show their corporations. Are you you're aware of that, right? Yeah. Okay. Then... Also, can corpse sue individuals? And why would such, such corpse have any power, jurisdiction, or be able to tax us blind since we are native-born Americans? Well, it depends on how much you've uh, compromised yourself with what you put your signature on, but... Um, as far as the corporation aspect, the um, 
the way I deal with that is the, for example, the, well, in your case, State of Arizona, all caps. That's a corporation. That's how they. That's how they distinguish a corporate entity is with all cap spelling. And um, so when they do that in all caps, um, they're identifying that it's a corporation, which is an instrumentality of the state of Arizona title case. State of Arizona was spelled in title case on the original instrument that created it, called the Constitution of the State of Arizona. And <clears throat> so that is the legitimate government for the State of Arizona, is whatever's at the head of that document, and it's in title case, at least in the Ingrass copy it will be. Yeah, that was in 1912. Right. So the state of Arizona, all caps, is a corporation created by the state of Arizona title case. All hmm. corporations within that state are instrumentalities of that state, including the all caps state of Arizona. So um, the enabling authority has to come through the title case state of Arizona. Otherwise, it's ultra-virus. Okay? Say that word again. Ultra-virus. It's where a corporation exceeds the powers granted in its articles of incorporation. Mm-hmm. And the state okay. of Arizona title case cannot give a corporation powers that it itself does not have. They're not authorized to do that. And that's why I keep hammering on people, always ask for the enabling authority. It isn't there. Okay, then my last question is, all right, we know they're corporations. Why can counties, yeah. states, or fed corps come onto your own patented deeded land and steal your possessions because, as I was told, they didn't understand them or did not know what they were. One of them was an electron microscope. I mean, right. I'm dealing with primitive people. That These government people are like cave people. I don't know. Cave people were smarter. They knew how to hunt. But Well, okay, that's where the schedule of fees and charges comes in because when they do that kind of stuff, you say, okay, you want to deprive me of my property? This is what going to cost you. And if they admit it to the judge. We don't know what John has. We don't know what it is, but he can't have it. Where in the well, hell do they get this? Are my constitutional rights said I can own possessions, so I can have them where I want. Well, that's what you're doing is uh, um, you're not, you know, you're not having to stand out there with a shotgun at your gate. Um, you just simply get put them on properly, put them on notice in a way that they can recognize it, that they can see, um, which is commercial well, law. And you well, say, okay, I, here, I, here's, you want to deprive me of my property, which includes my rights. Um, here's what it's going to cost you, and I will collect. Well, what Bob and I did, and we spent 
maybe six months, but we developed a 400-page sovereign status, nine different postings, and it's up. It's up out along the road. They haven't come back since. And I right. it was I served them with the 400 pages. They had 15 days to respond. And, of course, as we all know, they didn't respond. That well, was... You know, you know what that sounds to me like? <laughs> yeah. That sounds to me like when they're filibustering in the uh, legislature. <laughs> well, we gave them all kinds of reasons that would blow their mind. And, of course, they, I doubt if they ever read it. But it was the truth. We didn't lie to them. More than likely, they didn't. Because um, I happen to know that when you put these uh, 50 and 100 page briefs into a court, the judges don't read them. They have, they have their clerks who don't know their ass from a hole in the ground read it and advise them on what, what it is. Is that a violation of our judicial rights to a fair trial? No. When they, I mean, what does the word brief mean? It means brief. I don't think I've ever put a, a document into court that exceeded 10 pages. I never had to. Hmm. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I do. So, um, I mean, if you put yourself in the judge's position and somebody slaps a 400-page document on your uh, thing, you're going to throw it in the trash or hand it over to somebody, uh, some flunky to read. Well, this went. This didn't go to a judge. This went to a county attorneys. Well, same difference. I mean, you oh, know, I, yeah. they're they're not going to take the time to read all of that. Yeah. Well, we did. The, I, I, you know, we got a better. Ver, uh, Bob and I, I, we've got a different. Before he passed, what on? Oh, we have a a uh, how do you say it? Slim down version, right? Well, the uh, schedule of fees and charges, if I recall, right, it's only one page. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the affidavit that sometimes goes with it is, I think, three or four pages, and that's it. The, and it well, I have this thing. Uh, I've noticed this completely that. County courts, superior courts, uh, state courts, the state supreme court, and federal courts, all they care about is protocol. And did you get this timely, or did you do what this was? You know what? I, That's called job security. We present the truth to them. Don't lie to them. I'd rather have the truth any day than protocol. Well, they have all these rules and protocol because that's job security. That's they're for sure. For, they're in it for the money. Yeah, I know. I've spent thousands. On yeah, that's how they can rack up a bill on you. So they can uh, go out and have their golf game and so on. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. That's where you do your court case out on the golf course. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, anyway, that that was just some thoughts I had because I believe in America protocol is killing us in the court system, and we need to have justice, not travesty of no justice. Well, what I like to do, I've kind of gotten out of the litigation game because there's too much stress. I was carrying a heavy caseload at one time, 
I think that's what brought on the congestive heart failure. But um, oh, sorry, money. Yeah, the, uh, the um, what I like to do is I like to let the bar maggots know that whether they want to dance in the living room or in the kitchen or in the closet or in the basement, that's in terms of jurisdiction. I like letting them know that I've got the um, I'm in possession of the uh, factual basis to eviscerate them. And generally that backs them off. But then, you know, that's me. Most people, that's 40 years of experience talking. So most people don't have that. They don't have time. They want to live their life um, without all the uh, stuff, just like you do. Um so I what I've done is with these things I've developed very very simple methods um to handle it to back them off and that's who you're dealing with is the bar maggots they run this country Yep All right, All right. thank you thank you Monty So we got okay. one thank you John we got one final question here how would one stop a sheriff's sale Slash property tax. Whoa. Um, okay, now is that on the basis of a writ of execution? Is there a case number on that? Okay, I guess go ahead and answer the question real quick. Yes. Okay. Uh, if it has a case number, then you can revisit the case and demand production of uh, enabling authority. Now, it may be on the basis of a contract, or was this a tax sale? I'm waiting. Guest, was this a tax sale? Yes or no? Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, yes or no? Was this a tax sale? All I got was like a backslash. Doesn't okay. tell me anything. But hold on. Let me... um, okay. Um, okay. It won't be... let me. It yeah, won't it... let me. Time, or well, probably won't let her type. No. Um, the other thing that would be helpful is to know what state it's in, because um, it varies from state to state. The answer to the question is yes. Okay. New Jersey. Okay. Um, you might want to check the state constitution and statutes on that subject matter. Because <clears throat> in some states, what you could do, um, I've known people that show up and offer one silver dollar because it was advertised, the notice, legal notice, it was advertised on a sheriff's sale that it had to be payable in lawful money in the United States. That has a very exact meaning. So they showed up and offered a silver dollar, uh, and another one offered 21 silver dollars to invoke the. Uh, Article 7 of the Bill of Rights. Um, either way, it invokes Article 1, Section 10. 
And uh, but I've also seen that challenged, and I've also seen it ignored. Some instances out of ignorance, and in some instances it's just like, well, so what? In other words, they know they're breaking the law, and they don't care. So what I could, um, the only other thing I can think of was you could make them an offer of a promissory note. Hello. Go ahead. Oh. Um, yeah, you can make them an offer uh, of a and use a promissory note um, and see what they say. I'm missing a lot of information on this. I don't know, you know, whether you've yeah, had a hold on a fisticuffs match with them in the courts. I don't know. You know, or if you just laid back and let them do whatever they're doing, that kind of has a bearing on how you handle it at this point. Uh, I got them in default. Okay, thank you. Okay, so <clears throat> that sounds like some of the UCC stuff. Um, well, I guess that tells you what what your uh, how they're looking at your default. They're ignoring it. Okay. Um, we got a couple more hands raised got this one that I've never seen before that I'm curious about, and I'm afraid I'll probably not be curious ever again, but let's, uh, um, okay, the, the person says I wrote them and they did not answer. What? Oh. On the property uh, well, thing. Okay, what, what did you write to them? I tell you what, this is getting on. Guess who? Why don't you call me at some point in the next few days, and I'll get you on the line with them privately. We'll go over this, okay? Okay. So we got a caller here that goes by the name of the FBI. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm just curious what this person has to say. <laughs> uh, all right. Go ahead. The FBI, it's your turn to speak or I'm going to mute you. Okay, screw that. Okay, they want to raise their... Okay, they speak. Go ahead. Okay, so they hung up. Hmm. Probably just another troll. Oh, I thought FBI stood for uh, fun, but interesting. <laughs> Dad? Go ahead, John. Oh. 
Yeah, I, I didn't want to. I'm not trying to prolong this all night, but uh, Judge, you all are familiar with Judge Anna Von Reitz, aren't you? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, she's actually called me, and we've talked quite a bit, and we've exchanged a lot of information. But uh, she's the one that said, "Don't say you're an attorney; say you're a pro se lawyer." I like that better. I said, "Okay." No. <laughs> okay, Judge. <laughs> and I don't. And I don't. I don't. I don't recommend that. Oh well. Anyway, the point I wanted to make about uh, you know why I she, say that. You know why I okay. say that. Go ahead. Because because pro se acknowledges that you're acting in a representative capacity. You are not acting as a principal. Oh, I see. I'm representing the all caps. Well, you're representing something. That's what process yeah, means. You're acting in a. It's, it has to do with capacity. You're, when you say right. process, you're acting in a representative capacity. And right. Okay. You're a representative. You're an agent. You're not the principal. This is one thing I w- that she's been really bringing out a lot lately is the uh, dumbing down and the brainwashing of America. They're all illegal. All forms of this government, in what you want to call a government, they're all corporations. And why do we owe them anything? That well, you know, to be a huge argument here. Yeah, the, the thing I'll say about uh, Judge Anna, she's a wonderful historian, but I don't see a lot of, of workable solutions coming out of that. And what I used to tell people, and I've given up on that even, is you know we you know we patriots back in the seventies or whatever, we identified the problems back then. Now we're looking at what are the solutions. Correct. We don't need we don't need to hear anymore about what the problems are. We know what they are. So that yes. now we have to focus on the solutions, and that's where my my attention has always been. What would you like to see for a solution there, Monty? For the average person, the average Joe on the street, probably the schedule of fees and charges. That's something he understands. I thought you were going to tell me we go back to the original Constitution and the old Republic, which is what our country is based on. Well, first you've got to deal with the problem before you can get there. I know. <laughs> which I know, means you got to put the, you, which means you got to put the gorilla back in the cage. <laughs> Boy, wouldn't it be wonderful? Yeah. You know, there's nobody in America that hasn't said, "I've just got to get away." Nobody. Okay, my philosophy is: Why don't we make an America where we don't want to get away from? Everything's wonderful. We're all happy, and we have joy. What well, would be wrong? Never- yeah, you're never going to achieve that because uh, um, the old saying that opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. Um, you got, yeah, yeah. You've got too many complainers. That's for sure. Yeah. So they live. Uh, they live for the complaint. They don't do anything in their whole lives, but they're able to complain and say, "Stop this or stop that." Well, a good summation. Uh, the best summation I heard about that was probably um, Carlin, George Carlin. 
not not the early stuff that he did, but uh, some of the later stuff. He summarized it pretty well. What did he say? Uh, Go on YouTube and look it up because he's got a bunch <laughs> oh. of them on there. He's, he's gone uh, now. He's he passed away. I know. I know. Um, but he's got some really good stuff on there, uh, especially the later stuff when he was older. I mean, he hit it right on the head. Yeah, I guess a whole lot of us hit it on the head, and they don't really like that, do they, Monty and Tad? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what I've told people in the past, some people, I said, you know, it really doesn't bother me uh, if you want to be an asshole. But honestly, it genuinely does not bother me. But you'd better be a good one because I cannot tolerate incompetence. <laughs> yeah, I've got a superior court judge with a contempt of court with a contempt of court charge hanging over my head. Well, that's because just an I allegation. Her, yeah, it's an allegation. I showed her that it was an impossibility. She told me that within six months I had to move thirty acres of my machinery and heavy equipment that took six and a half years to move to this site and I said it's an impossibility and I can say that you you all understand what that means when I say it to her she just goes blah 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 you're in contempt I find you in contempt you've got to do this and um, uh, did she did she warn you first oh uh, prior to the contempt charge oh yeah it's I was supposed oh, to move this or move that, and and no, did she warn you that you you would be held in contempt if you didn't do something? Oh, not. I don't think so in advance. No. Okay. Well, then um, uh, she can't prove her allegation. So, what's the validity of the finding? Well, there's no validity because actually. They use this stupid communist theory in America that's eating us up like cancer, which is zoning, planning and zoning. And they, in my actual zoning, the rules I showed to the judge and everybody in the court show that a contractor's yard is permitted to be there. And they said, well, you don't have handicapped bathrooms and paving. I said, I don't need it. I only have big companies come in to look at my things it's not a public contractor's yard so i i call on the carpet and they say well we've decided to take our okay, law well, we have it this way okay <laughs> I, I, you know hindsight is 2020 vision but what you what you did there was uh you started arguing merits you'd never want to get past you don't want to get that far before you argue merits you want to uh tackle jurisdiction and get a factual foundation. You do a factual foundation by doing interrogatories. Read the rules. Interrogatories. Put them in a box. We showed them that they had no subject matter jurisdiction uh, because this was uh, this land was actually part of the land grant of Hidalgo Guadalupe from 1800 and some and there was no reservations made to the state of Arizona. And they, it doesn't matter. I could say that Jesus Christ is standing next to me, and he is, but they wouldn't pay any attention. Well, okay, but that's not how you do interrogatories. The interrogatory in that case would have been, um, 
and request for production of documents in support of that. Is, I did. I um, submitted the BLM documents that showed everything. I showed him everything that was true, and it's just no, 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 just, no, 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 no. You put the burden on them. That's how you do interrogatories. You put the burden on them. And oh, <clears throat> so what you do is, uh, for example, and it's a setup because, like in Idaho, uh, on contempt, that's controlled by statute. And I use their own statutes against them, uh, right. where it, it defines contempt. It says the following acts or omissions in respect to a court of justice or proceedings therein are contempts of the authority of the court. And they list off a bunch of things. And one of them is misbehavior in office or other willful neglect or violation of duty by an attorney, counsel, clerk, sheriff, coroner, or other person appointed or elected to perform a judicial or ministerial service. Deceit or abuse of the process or proceedings of the court by a party to an action or special proceeding. Um, assuming to be an officer, attorney, counsel of the court, and acting as such without authority. I mean, there's a bunch of them that constitute contempt. So... <clears throat> You, the way you deal with that is you file a uh, motion to show cause um, why a warrant of commitment or attachment, the difference between the two is a warrant of commitment is uh, where they've never been uh, arrested before. And if they have been arrested before, then you can do a, a writ of attachment, which operates the same way, and it's like an arrest warrant. But it has to be preceded by a show cause order. They have to come forth and show cause why they should not uh, go to jail for contempt. And one of the setups for that is, are the interrogatories. Because when you ask the interrogatory, you don't put all of the stuff in there that defends your position. You're arguing the merits. What you put in there is, um, for example, um, one question uh, interrogatory would be uh, what enabling authority gives the county of whatever uh, proprietary interest in my property? And then you put in a request for the document that supports that. It always goes back to enabling authority. In other words, you know, the same thing on property taxes or any of this other stuff. It's like, okay. Um, <clears throat> what gave you uh, the, uh, the proprietary interest uh, in my property to be making demands on me of this type? Uh, another question could be along the lines of, uh, I mean, it varies from case to case, but that's how you do it. You make them, you put the burden on them. And they have to, and if you read the statutes or the rules concerning interrogatories, it's usually rules but sometimes statutes, they have to be answered uh, in with specificity. I don't have any teeth, so it's hard for me to pronounce some words. They have to answer with specificity. Okay? How do you say that? Spell it. Specificity. <laughs> they have to be specific in their answer. They can't generalize. Okay, okay. Specis specificity. specificity. I got it. 
Okay? Got it. And that's a requirement under the rules that when they answer the interrogatories, and they have 30 days to do that, um, they have to answer each and every one of them. And they have, if they're going to object, they have to state the reason for the objection with the same particularity. At this particular property, what they're trying to do is take my mine machinery, water storage tanks, and a drought-stricken desert and give them to the property owner just so he can get rid of them. And they're worth millions of dollars. Right. They want so to what you do is... You, you want to, that's what you want to go after them on is where is your enabling authority uh, that, that gives you you or the property owner a proprietary interest in my property? Where is it? Let's see it. I'd love to. Okay. And all you have to do is you know check your rules and st check your statutes on the procedural side of it, and then just you know hit them with it. <clears throat> then, that's, if that's they want to play games, yeah. Then, if they want to play games with it, then you go with the Colorento and take them out of office. Because by their, no, by their oath, they are required to keep you secure in your property. Sure. Okay. And I'll tell you something. If you end up in the U.S. Supreme Court with a writ of Colorento, they're going to be uh, looking in the help wanted ad paper. <laughs> I tried, I went to the head judge of the Superior Court, and this took all kinds of motions and everything else. And yeah, I brought you, that out, was not the writ. No, I went okay. to try to change so, judges. They wouldn't even let me change judges. And this one is so out there, she's like in outer space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you do that? Well, that'd be, a, we'd have to talk for another hour. But anyway, no, 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 it's very simple. The way you get... A judge taken off a case and another one put on is, a, is an affidavit of prejudice. Oh yeah, well there you and go. All you have to all you have to do, well, affidavit, unrebutted affidavit stands as truth. They recognize that. You put in an well, affidavit of prejudice that they are acting with uh, perfidy and moral turpitude. That's <laughs> it. They're off the case. Beautiful. Okay. Yes. Okay, so we want to go ahead and wrap this up because it's okay. getting on. So uh, we can talk later if you like. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe tomorrow. Okay. Okay. All right, everybody. Hey, uh, Monty, thank you. thank you very much for uh, being here tonight and everybody else. And we will see you again next week. All right. Okay, good night, everybody. Good night. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.